Welcome to the Sipsters Wine Podcast with Luke Whittall. Hello, Sipsters. Welcome to the Sipsters Wine Podcast, a new way to experience wine. Check out the website at sipsterswinepodcast.ca and leave a comment there or email me at sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't done it already, please like, subscribe, rate, comment, or all of those wonderful things that your podcast player of choice lets you do because it really helps me uh, putting this podcast together. I don't really know how it helps functionally yet, but I know it helps me want to make more episodes, knowing that what I'm doing is actually meaningful to someone, even though I am talking into a microphone in a room uh, by myself. So today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, Kimberly Hundredmark, the newly minted general manager of the Okanagan Wine Festival Society. We are right now in the thick of the Winter Wine Festival, and there are events coming up this weekend, which is January 27th and 28th, and you can totally attend those. I know it's a little last minute, but it's going to be amazing, and I'm really looking forward to attending, which I will be doing at the Winterfest at District Wine Village in Oliver this Saturday, the 28th. I will also be recording interviews there for as long as I can and enjoying the event as much as possible so that I can bring that sound and the, the, the vibe of the festival to you on a future podcast. So here it is, my conversation with Okanagan Wine Festival Society General Manager, Kimberly Hundermark. Enjoy. pretty much over the course of this so yeah um but when it comes to when it comes to being in in um you know being married to someone who's also in the same industry as you does that feel like what does it feel like to be a legit wine power couple basically (laughs) first time we've been called that um you know what it's it's just to have that level of support constantly and really understand uh what the other one is going through or you know, um, we speak the same language. It's much like being married to, you know, teachers being married to teachers or lawyers being married to lawyers. It's sort of the same thing. But the cool thing is we do have a really good division of church and state. Okay. So I, we can both be very um, pragmatic about, you know, some of those hard conversations. Like if you're in a pinch and, you know, what should I do here? What's the right thing to do? What would you do um, as, a, as a professional? Mm-hmm. It's really nice to have... Um, just that built-in support system. And you know um, not to plan a vacation at the beginning of October, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> and also a festival. <laughs> or fe- yeah, <laughs> well, that's true too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? Now let's talk about that. Um, the Winter Wine Festival is coming up. It is, I mean, it's already started really. I guess you had a tasting last week at, and we're recording this in between the two weekends of the of the Wine Festival. Uh, we've got some big events coming up this, this weekend. Tell me a, a little bit about how the Winter Wine Festival got started and how you were trying to focus on this one a little bit more than say the, the other festivals, which was more the spring, you know, focused on the spring and right. fall festivals. Right. Well, being that I came on board um, after strategic planning session in October. So I started in the beginning of November and we really felt it was important to try and do something 
for the members that have sort of stuck through over the, the course of the last year and haven't really seen any kind of consumer interfacing. And um, we'd also had just some funding that uh, was earmarked for specific activations that we needed to uh, either activate on or give it back. <laughs> and I was rather, right. but um, yeah. I've always felt that we here in the Okanagan have really been missing a winter wine festival. And so we thought, let's start with something small. And it just happened to be that Big Reds at Big White was interested in a partnership. And then that just started getting all the conversation going with the partners. It's like, well, let's do more. And so working with uh, Travel Penticton and, and bringing an event there that was supposed to happen in September or October rather. And so it was, well, let's give it a try. Let's see, see what happens, what the response is going to be like. And then that led to a conversation with uh, Darcel at the district wine village, because back when I was managing time family of wine and our location there, um, they knew that I'd had, you know, years and years of experience with the very successful ice wine festival in Ontario. And it's like, well, if you could do it there, could we do it here? Because we want to continue to um, have um, engagement over the course of the winter. It's like, absolutely, let's start small. Let's build something that's meaningful, that, um, you know, there's a bit of a cost recovery for, for the wineries. And uh, let's not outprice ourselves and let's make it a really unique experience. And everybody came together um, to collaborate on that. And we're almost sold out for the taste passport, which is super exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then sensation, I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, work with the partners and our board of, it, our board of education, our board of directors <laughs> to, uh, to um, start to enhance those experiences. Because one thing that came out of the strategic planning is that, what was done before has to change because one thing COVID and post-COVID really showed us, um, and the message is loud and clear, that the consumer habit of experience has changed and they want to be more dialed in. They want to be educated. Um, they don't want to be in a room elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder anymore. They they really want to engage, and we know that from our wine clubs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that just led to the... Uh, the beginning or sort of the, the root or planted the stage has been set, let's say for um, a winter wine festival program to grow over the the course of next, this next year. So that next winter it can be bigger and better than this year. It's really just one weekend with a couple um, other supporting events going on. But I, I do see this becoming something that stretches into shoulder season a little bit more. And working with the tourism destinations, too, they all want to see shoulder season product development. Everybody has an appetite for it. Because um, people do, much like, you know, they go to Niagara Falls, they go up to Big White, or they go to Silver Star, or they go to Sun Peaks, but they still want to come and visit wine country. And that's who we are. Where we've got great hills popped in the middle of it. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's the the shoulder season thing, when you mentioned that, I know that the original history of the festival goes back to like the early 80s, 1981, actually, yep. when they used to call it Septoberfest. And, yep. and yeah. at that time, 
you know, the Okanagan used to be really busy during the summer and then after Labor Day it would die. Yeah. And so it was sort of a way of, of doing the shoulder seasons, a festival in the shoulder seasons then. Has our shoulder seasons changed then in that? I mean, clearly there's been some kind of change, but now where are they? So shoulder season now uh, after Thanksgiving. Okay. So up- yeah. Um, things are bustling and if the weather but you know if the weather cooperates it can even go a little bit further than thanksgiving it can go into uh, mid to late october and then um shoulder season for the sort of winter spring really for us here in the okanagan uh, mid-May to beginning of June is when things start to ramp up again. So there's that nice little pocket where the weather's beautiful. Um, the wineries have their staff in. They've got their new releases. It makes a lot more sense to be doing some programming when it fits the schedule of the new releases and, you know, rosé celebrations than to try and make it into something that's not the beginning of May when weather might be a bit rainy and cloudy still. Um, and so we figured that this is just before start steps to really ramp up in uh, the end of June, beginning of July, that we still have that nice little window where we can start to build what's going to be going on for the season and start to talk about what, um, what's happening across the Okanagan and all the different regions mm-hmm. throughout. And, um, but so that, again, that was the reason just to move it more really weather and product because the wineries are bottling still in April and May. So the beginning of June is a really good time for that. So the realities of the industry have kind of changed in that, in that intervening time, I guess. Is that yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Climate, right? Like our weather is way different. I remember when we first started coming out here, we would come to the festival um, the end of April, beginning of June. And I mean, usually we'd rent a convertible and we'd have that down and it'd be beautiful and warm. And since we've been out here, uh, you know, for the last five and a half years, springs have not been that awesome. Like it's been a bit of a struggle to say that you're out in your, your garden hut thing for more than a day, the odd day or two. So anyway, I feel, I feel really good about it. And then the, uh, the industry feedback I'm getting is like, thank you. We'll have our staff. We'll be able to actually do some things um, rather than, you know, trying to, again, gather the troops and not be market ready because it's really important that we're market ready. We don't want to bring people here and not be able to staff our, our tasting bars or our restaurants. We want to make sure we're putting uh, on, putting on the best show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, Sipsters. I wanted to take a second to let you all know that there is a new Sipsters book out. The Sipsters Pocket Guide to 50 More Must Try BC Wines Volume 3 is now available. This book has more than just wines. There are profiles of three amazing Sipsters who are doing some great things with wine, and I really hope you hear about these people soon. For those interested in Ontario wines, the Ontario Volume 1 is out and available now as well. And you can look forward to a Volume 2 coming out in the fall. Find all of these books at your favorite bookstores, online, or order directly from me at sipsters.ca. Enjoy your wine experiences, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the podcast. And just about your Board of Education... 
uh, <laughs> that you mentioned before. <laughs> uh, I, as full disclosure, of course, I should probably mention that I was on the board of it, uh, that board for uh, a number of years representing a winery and then later a, uh, a wine store. But I haven't been on it since 2000, which was just before the pandemic. Um yep. Which and the pandemic, I mean, that clearly altered the course of events for like for events organizations everywhere. Right. I mean, that that couldn't have been easy for the Wine Festival Society to deal with. No, I think festivals and events overall, like throughout Canada, I know, you know, dear friends of mine that uh, operate either, you know, tourism destinations and attractions or festivals and events. And many of them were, you know, down to bare bones staff just holding on and, you know, thank God for virtual, like the, the virtual side of things really did help to supplement some of that business for them because there were, there was no part, there were no festivals, there's no music, there were no concerts. Um, so it was, yeah, really, really different times I got to say. And, uh, but you know, I, I live in Ontario, we lived through SARS and we lived through uh, post nine 11. And I remember rebuilding the tourism um, industry starting like 2002 to 2004, five, there was a lot of change going on and it was a hard look at um, what the destinations looked like, how we worked together as a province. And um, it really did evoke change and it, 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 it just causes that, uh, that shift and that shift is good. Not pivoting every two weeks, but (laughs) 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 yeah. So then, you know, you mentioned a, a change in the style of events, a change in the engagement. Is that a COVID thing directly, or do you think there's a generational change as well? Are we seeing a lot of new, younger consumers that are coming out that want a different experience, or is it largely mm-hmm. uh, sort of a, a like a COVID-related or a 9-11 or SARS-related type thing? Has, you've seen those changes in the past. How is this change? Uh, is it the same kind of thing, or, or what do you think? Well, I think we, we know uh, generationally that there's got to be value. There has to be uh, um, a reason behind everything, right? It's like, why am I doing this? There has to be some takeaway. And education is a really big part of that um, and doing it right. Because now just going in for a, a, a regular old tasting is, is not enough. Everybody wants a little bit more, a little more engagement. You know, they, they really want that takeaway. And I think it's been, we've positioned it perfectly that um, no one wants to be in a room with 800 people anymore. Wineries don't want to be six deep in front of them. Um, there's been too much of that in the past. And I mean, we all know that by the end of the night, it gets a little bit sloppy and we're all just pouring for an audience that just wants a full glass. They don't really care about what's in the glass or you know, the terroir or the story or a sense of place that it gets lost. And so it's really important that we use this time to reimagine the festival to make it um, much more meaningful because the investment of our, our growers and our, our winemakers and our, you know, the hospitality industry, our chefs, our accommodators, everybody, right. Uh, take great pride in what we do and, uh, we've all learned that we don't want to waste time we don't want to waste energy on things that aren't meaningful yeah Uh, yeah i can i can totally see that from a winery perspective too absolutely oh Um, now for me in the in festivals past you know part of the excitement was 
getting to meet winemakers and winery owners. Is that still uh, a part of the festival? Can we still, can we still meet owners or is that, or winemakers? Is that, uh, is that kind of mandated? I know that the, the, the Vancouver wine festival, you know, mandates that they have a, a winery principle at, at everything at all the tastings and stuff like that. Is that kind of still possible here? Well, the um, big reds at big white weekend, um, it was principals and winemakers. Last weekend at Predator Ridge, for the most part, it was principals and winemakers. We had Shane Munn out. I mean, Shane came out with Martin's Lane. It was like, wow, this wow. is this is pretty awesome. Um, you know, Richard De Silva was out. Jeffrey Hundred Mark was out. Uh, Nikki Calloway was out. I mean, these are these are like you know kick-ass winemakers that are coming out on a Sunday afternoon to to show off their their products because they have such pride in what they're doing, and the engagement was. Um, it was just amazing. And the feedback from the consumers is, this is what we're, we've been waiting for. So I, I've made it our mandate, and the, the board is very supportive of that as an industry, that this is who we want. This is how we want to engage now. So we're not always going to have 100% of proprietors or winemakers out, but for the key events, Absolutely. We will be heavily encouraging that. I mean, you can't force them to the trough, but certainly if they see that the position and the audience is in line with their branding, then it's a win-win for everybody. And the, the opportunity to, you know, bring that ratio from 20 to 30 people in front of you at a time down to maybe, you know, five or 10 is, is really showing um, the product and, and the industry in the very best way. It's much more manageable that way. And it's more comfortable environment too. If it's not quite as loud and everything, I can totally see the benefit of that. When you can actually leave an event at the end of the night and still speak, not feeling like you've been shouting for the last hour. Right. Um, and everybody's yeah. civilized manner. You don't have like the, the sloppy stilettos and all of that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's much easier to manage. And for me, um, as a festival organizer, social responsibility is something I take really, really seriously. And I, 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 I don't want to be bearing witness to somebody leaving and putting themselves at risk. Because once they leave, um, it's still something that weighs on my shoulders and, and those of us in the industry, because who knows what's going to happen, right? So we just try to make sure that it's not... Not during our time with them, anyway. <laughs> so that's that's what we're aiming for. Now you have a long history with festivals, and not this the well a little bit for the wine festival side here, but also in Ontario. Can you tell me a little bit about what you did in Ontario with the Ice Wine Festival? So the the Niagara Grape Wine Festival is actually the oldest wine festival in Canada and the largest. Um, I was actively involved with that as uh, a board member, much like I was in this role before this role. Um, so in my market, I was in tourism marketing as well as winery management before I headed up um, the wine festival. And that I took on the, um, the wine festival during a secondment. I was working for the city of St. Catharines as a tourism manager and they needed someone to go in and sort of write the ship. And um the, the, there was quite a bit of debt there, and there was uh, a lack of community engagement. 
there was just there was just a real downturn in this, and there was such ownership from the entire industry for this festival. The growers were engaged. Um, Wines of Ontario was engaged. All of the various uh, regional bodies were engaged. So it was really, really important to see this survive, but also to be reimagined um, because there had been a bit of a, are we corporate? Are, is the, the industry getting too big for the community festival? There was, there was, it was not combative, but there were sort of a lot of different thoughts on the way that the festival should be managed. So we were able to um, rewrite the, the path of that and hosted three very successful um, festivals through the course of the year, um, June, September, and January. Very, very similar to here. But, um, and with that, we did, through the winter, we did three weeks of programming. The fall, we did two weeks of programming, almost three weeks. And in the spring, two weeks of programming that were all very successful. So, it, I mean, the the format of it was a little bit different. The winery engagement was different because of the sponsorship levels, but um, it was it was it was just really great to be part of that, and it's what brought us out here. It was bringing out the uh, grower of the year um, from Ontario uh, with a really great itinerary that I would work on with partners here, and then we'd come out for four days. And really show them the whole Okanagan. And every time Jeff and I would be leaving, it would get harder and harder and harder to be in the airport going, we're going back. We're going back. <laughs> and then finally, um, it was that we had the serious conversation that we were moving out here. One of our sons was already in the industry here. So it was just it felt right that the family was together here in BC. Worked out really well for Jeff um, with Mount Boucherie. And... You know, he's landed exactly where he was supposed to be as the uh, director of winemaking there and making his iconic red wines that he's always dreamed of doing. And I held a couple really cool positions until this this role uh, became available. And I feel like this is exactly where I was supposed to be. It just took me five years to get here. So I'm I'm really excited. But I've learned so much along the way working for uh, wine growers of BC and doing the events for um, industry for two years, two and a, two and a bit years, and then COVID hit, and then off to time family of wines on the hospitality side of things, which really taught me a lot on the uh, the way hospitality works in in BC. It is a little bit different, um, and just really getting to know the people and the the players and the community. And now I feel like people trust me. They they know that I am a, um, I'm committed to this industry. We've got a, obviously a really long history in it. So I'm in it for the long haul and for the win. Nice. So we, I'm not going to ask you which, which place you prefer because you've, you clearly you've made your choice. You've come to BC, but I do, I am curious about the differences between the industry in Ontario and, and in BC. And a lot of, a lot of times, you know, with people in the industry here, I ask them, you know, what they think of Ontario and they think, you know, there's, there's kind of a high railed fence between the two industries. And it's sort of like, it's a lot of, it's more imagining what's on the other side of the fence than anything. And you've got really good experience in both. What, what are your observations about sort of the differences or the similarities really between, between the two industries, given that we're, we're in the same country, but it still can be very different. It does feel like so completely different. Um, I mean, my dream is before, you know, I, I retire someday 
is that we are a Canadian wine industry and that's how we sell ourselves, not BC, Ontario, Nova Scotia, Quebec. Um, but in, in that, in Ontario, there's a lot of really large landholders, which is, uh, to me is like probably the biggest difference because here there's a lot of small wineries, you know, like small production. You find more small, medium than large, whereas Ontario, we still have a lot of really big, big corporate players there. Um, there are still a lot of small wineries, but the average land holding there is 20 acres, right? So everybody's got a bigger piece of the, the I guess they're just the, the uh, their investment's pretty, pretty damn significant. Mind you, land values out here are way more than they are in Ontario. The other thing I think uh, the big change, not change, well, yeah, it is a change now, is the the fact that winery tourism has been on the map for, gosh, I want to say in Ontario, 25 years at least. So it was really integrated into everything uh, when it comes to hospitality and to tourism. So it is a, it was a product that was identified as a a key uh, trip motivator pretty early on. And here I find that that, Starting, you're starting to the, so the the ski destinations want to work the wineries and not just a few of them, but a larger mass of that, which is uh, a, a change. The other thing is I found there um, is sort of like so the grape growers of Ontario, the wine growers of Ontario, VQA, um, everybody kind of worked together, like collaborated. Um, here, it doesn't seem that it's as as uh, consistent, um, which I would love to see. I would love the growers to be part of um, the narrative when it comes to talking about festivals. And it's their growers. It's, you know, the grapes. It's the terroir. And, and that, that sense of place and the GIs and the sub-GIs is really talking um, more in depth about that. I find that that's something. It's almost like we're just a couple years behind when it comes to that product development but i am seeing now great strides because the okanagan was identified as one of the um most desired places for people to go to travel post-covid and wine and culinary was up there as far as their motivators to come plus the hiking and you know the great outdoors so i think that it's not going to take us too much longer before the wine industry is a four season destination that's the other thing too it is four seasons in Ontario across the board. Like everybody's open in the winter. It's not like here where you've got this little pocket where they're all open. Um, and then you've got a lot in the South where it's basically you try to go to a winery on the weekend and nobody's open. Right. Imagine trying to go on a Monday. <laughs> so even restaurants, like it's just, it's, it's that, that piece of it is uh, a little bit different and um i think we'll get there though I, I i feel really confident that we will get there yeah that's good that's it's it's good to have a, a vision of what it could be in some ways so that you can you can sort of help you know suggest things to kind of get it to there because i, I agree i think that it is it, it should be it would be uh, it would solve a lot of problems to be <laughs> a much more four season type destination and uh, we're almost there like it's it seems yeah. it feels really close is that just me or is that no you know? I, I feel like we're we're 
starting now that we're having these conversations and you're hearing it consistently. It's shoulder season, shoulder season, and shoulder season doesn't mean the fall or the spring. Winter is healthy here, and there's so so many reasons to come here. You don't need to go to Whistler. You know, you can you can come to beautiful Okanagan um, and still ski and experience all of those great outdoor adventures. You know, there's snowshoeing, there's there's skiing, there's cross country, there's the the fat tire e-bikes you know like there's just so much to do and they're in harmony with what's going on with with wineries so we just have to make sure everybody stays open and believes that we can that we can do this and it's not even that far i mean you can really be on the slopes in at big white and then be downtown Kelowna in like an hour and a half i mean it's really not even that yeah that far yeah we found it really interesting on sunday at the event up at predator ridge is the number of Ontarios that were there. Interesting. There were probably four couples that were up at Big White Skiing and had heard about the event and wanted to experience some wine and culinary. Um, there were a lot of people that um, live in the community that say that usually they're up at Big White, but this is something different to do, and they love wine events. And, you know, the... The number of times in the last couple of months I've been asked, could we start some sort of programming? Could you help us with programming um, for you know, to invite a sawman and talk to us about wine or that we could sell tickets to? Or the, the hotel partners are really seeing the need for um, that, in, that engagement, too. So who the partners are and trying to connect the dots. And that's something I, I really love to do is connect those dots and have you met this person, this person? Hey, you're both thinking about doing the same thing. Let's do it together. So, yeah, we'll get there. I promise. <laughs> so for, for consumers then who are listening that are interested, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of new things coming down at some point. I mean, this is this is a pretty exciting time to be in the industry now. I, I think so. I mean, everybody's got, um, they've got a stake in it and they want to succeed. And they know that the only way to succeed is, to collaborate because none of us have deep pockets for marketing. And so collaboration is, um, you know, key to the success of that. And that wine is one of those big motivators. It's a lifestyle thing that um, is, is in sync with the, the people that are skiing and golfing and hiking and boating. And it just all, all makes perfect sense. So, We've got some things coming up then immediately winter, uh, the Winterfest at District Wine Village is coming up this Saturday. I'm going to be doing some podcast recording there, which will be fun. So that'll be listen for that on a future podcast. Um, but <laughs> then we've also got uh, the sensation uh, happening, the, uh, yeah. the uh, an evening for the or an eve for the senses and Penticton coming up this uh, this Sunday. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the, the things that people can go or experience when they go to these events. So sensation and eat for the senses is actually Friday night, Luke. <laughs> oh, right. Wrong date. <laughs> so we'll be at the Penticton Trade and Convention Center, and we're working with their culinary team and 20 of our member wineries to um, create these uh, taste profile um, experiences. So there'll be sweet, salty, bitter umami, and trying to... Uh, bring together um, contrasting and complementary profiles of wine and food and educate. 
so that, you know, why does uh, Pinot Noir go really great with this mushroom toast rather than a big tannic um, Cabernet Sauvignon, right? And really trying to educate and let people take a little nugget of that home so the next time they're having a wine and culinary experience, they might just remember a little bit of something. And then we'll have some live music and um, just some great conversation around wine and food. So 20 wineries, six stations, small bites. It's a, a grazing event, so you'll you know sip and taste through the evening. It's not a seated um, a seated event, and so there's that. There are still some tickets available for that. One thing I'm finding in the Okanagan is people like to get tickets at the last minute or walk up and say, "Do you still have tickets?" Right? Uh, we're last minute, I guess. And um, then on Saturday, we're at the district wine village in Oliver for uh, Winterfest. Uh, sorry, Winterfest at the district, and we're launching the Taste Passport. The Taste Passport is a series of um, vouchers that you get in your passport. So you get six vouchers, and you can redeem those at any of the 13 experiences that are being offered. So if you run out of your six and you want to purchase another six, go for it. If you want to just come and experience a couple of those experiences with um, with friends and family, by all means, you can share your past. Um, there's some really great food pairings going on. There's some great educational um, experiences that are being offered. Um, we're working with a local chef who's doing a culinary showcase, um, a deep dive into pairings at 1030. I think he's doing like seven wine and food pairings over the course of a couple of hours, which will be really neat. That's going to be, you know, that high level gastron kind of experience. And then we'll have uh, this really cool ice luge that we have uh, being crafted where we're going to do sparkling ice wine cocktails, which I'll make sure you get to taste one of those. Um, I'll probably manage this. It's really fun. It's sticky, but fun. Um, (laughs) And there'll be some live music outdoors in the plaza as well. And there's a pop-up, um, a pop-up kitchen from Ink Meat. So the, the culinary team from Ink Meat is coming down and doing a pop-up um, at the eatery at the district. So yeah, it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's from 11 till 4, so you can come and do it at your own pace. It's a nice leisurely um, day out and it's supposed to be beautiful and snowy so what better way to enjoy a day by visiting all the different partners or going to the workshop and you know having a cocktail there i think he's doing something with bourbon um we're just really excited this is this is something that we will be rolling out in the spring and fall festivals but we'll be rolling it out at the wineries as well so we'll be working with the, the various GIs and they'll have their own um, taste passports and you'll be able to go up to Lake Country one weekend and experience that or Naramata and go and experience that or Oliver, whatever uh, GI you want to visit. But we're going to be doing those now um, for the two weekends during each of the festivals. So I'm, I'm really excited. We did this program hugely, hugely successful in, in Niagara, like bonkers successful. And it's, you know, it's still... A very very popular experience. So I'm really glad that we're getting the positive response to this. It's almost sold out. 
this was the one I thought everyone was going to go, oh, we don't understand it. We don't want to. <laughs> so, <laughs> how mu- so how much then is the Winterfest at the District My Village? How much is the ticket? Uh, it's $60 for 10 experiences. That's a six experiences so each experience has a a value of ten dollars okay that sounds like a lot of possibility for a ticket price like that like that's that's an amazing amount of of potential absolutely so exciting wow i'm uh it's one that's always been sort of my uh you know you've got your favorite child (laughs) and be my favorite child is my taste passport wow so, yeah. And we've got new look and feel to the festival as well. We've been doing some rebranding. So it's got a nice, uh, fresh new look. And um, you just you'll see it all rolling out as we move into uh, the spring festival and then fall and then back to winter. So for all the people who were looking last fall for the Lieutenant Governor's Awards in the fall, mm-hmm. what is the what is the future of that uh, of the of the competitions basically within the festival? So the Best of Varietals uh, competition, that went by the wayside. Um, and I want to say it was 2019, maybe 2020. Um, the wineries just felt it was redundant. That it was too similar to the to either Wine Align or the um, British Columbia Lieutenant Governor's Wine Awards. So we settled back to hosting the Lieutenant Governor's uh, award, Wine Awards in the spring. So we'll be doing the judging in in the beginning of April, and then we'll be um, recognizing the award winners on the first weekend of the Spring Festival, so June 2nd. Yeah, and we're opening up registration next week or this week, this week hopefully by the end of this week. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to have that back. There, We'll have some uh, great judges in in the um, in the area at the beginning of April, which is always exciting for industry to be able to to meet some of their favorite personalities who've been you know incre- you know incredibly supportive throughout uh, the last couple of years. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be planning that and working with uh, um, Alana out of Vancouver. So it's going to be it's going to be good. Yeah. So exciting things are coming up then. That's great. Hmm. Right I think. So where can people get information about all of these, all of these uh, events and things coming up? You just go to uh, winefestivals.com and then there's a little micro site within that winter wine fest 23 and all of the tickets information. And then also we'll be um, updating with all the spring events. I think the spring dates are there, but we just haven't populated it with any events yet because we're still in the planning stages. So more information coming, but the winefestivals.ca, I guess, is the, is the website. Is that correct? Yeah. That's the one. Okay, I got it right. Okay, cool. Uh, so I ask all the guests to come up with a big question to ask the Sipsters. You can ask anything that you'd like. And Sipsters, if you are listening and want to uh, email, uh, send, a, send a response to this question, you can send it to me at sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on the podcast uh, website as well, wherever you do that. Uh, but the best way to do it is to get to sipsterswinepodcast at gmail.com and sure. uh, send me an answer to the question uh, that Kimberly's going to uh, ask us now. I don't have a drum roll sound effect, but I probably should get one at some point. Um, so just wearing my, my festival hat is, 
of all the wine experiences that you've had, not necessarily in BC, can be from around the world. What is something that we're missing here in the Okanagan? And I want I want you to let me know what your favorite favorite experience might have been. And that way, maybe there's going to be a little nugget in there that I haven't thought of. That's cool. And anywhere in the world, any, any wine experience in the world. Yep. Yep. 100%. Fantastic. That sounds great. Well, I can't Thank wait. You. I can't wait to see what's going to happen at, uh, at the district wine village this weekend and yep. with the rest of it. And, and uh, I look forward to spring events and everything like that too. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining yep. us today, Kimberly. Thanks, Luke, and thanks sisters for listening. All right. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sipsters Wine Podcast. Go to Sipsters online at sipsterswinepodcast.ca.